welcome to PPR podcast number 58. If you're saying, well, hold it, how are you guys numbering this? Everybody's saying that. Yeah, I, I, apparently math is, or just counting is not my strong suit, but this is number 58 in a series. Now that we have one on Mondays as well, we got to count them all together. So this is, this is our... We've done more, but this is 58 by the book. Uh, use that QR code in the corner of the screen. It'll get you, uh, it'll take you to the pro shop so you can buy cool PPR gear like the stuff that Bert is wearing right now. Bert? Yes. Would you like to introduce our guest? Mr. Doug Brady, owner and operator of Brady Performance. But that's, not, that's not how you do it. Oh, how he's, do you do it? He's the, well, I had, I had that coming up. I got a lot of, I got a lot of but he's, he's got a lot of titles. He's the quarterback whisperer. Ah, okay. That's how you do it. Hey, Doug, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Paul, Bert, Doug. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate the, it. When you hear hear the phrase "quarterback whisperer," do you uh, you accept that as the compliment that it's intended? I, I understand it's a compliment. I mean, there's a lot of people that are that are good and and could perform, you know, the coaching duties as a quarterback coach, and so. I'm thankful to thankful to be able to work with kids and and to and to be respected, you know, from my knowledge. Doug, side question: I, I we did um, Mount Carmel, you at Mount Carmel uh, RBV last week, and you trained Josh Bell, right? Yes, sir. So I guess my question is: great game, by the way, too, for him. But Absolutely. how do you how's that relationship work? So you get somebody like Drew Wessling, who's obviously a, another you know quarterback guru and offense coordinator. Do you guys talk, or is, or is it like certain lines you don't step on, or certain things you train with when you have the two of you working with the same guy? Yeah, well, Drew's a unique situation because I coached Drew at Southwestern College in 2007, mm -hmm. and we had we had great rapport, and we've just carried on that great rapport over the years, and it's just a natural deal. I mean, I get I get access to, to what they do on offense. I um, mean, he knows I'm going to protect that. Just like if I work with a, a program they're competing against, I'm not going to give info away. So he he knows I have the, his quarterback's best interests in mind. I want the quarterbacks across the county to throw for a lot of yards, throw for a lot of touchdowns. So selfishly, that's what I want. He knows that's what I want with him. And so we'll talk about certain concepts, and he'll tell me the progression and how the footwork, footwork matches that. And so I'm pretty – I understand uh, pretty high level what they're trying to accomplish there at Mount Carmel. And so I was able to watch the film of Josh this morning of that, you know, during that game and um, saw what he was able to do. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's good to be able to fill the gap for staffs like that, you know, where he's got a lot of different moving parts and I could kind of help fill in the gap where a gap exists. Everybody, you're listening to PPR podcast number 58, brought to you by Renovation Realty. It features the quarterback whisperer, Mr. Doug Brady. Doug, back in the day, I'll take you back to a hot September day, 1978. The Madison uh, Edgewood wow. Crusaders were taking to the field, and the quarterback tryouts went like this. Who can throw the ball the farthest? Yeah. You're the quarterback. Could you talk a little bit about how things have evolved considerably in the last 50 years, and now that's arm strength is just but a fraction of what you have to do as a passer. I remember that. That was like that one I was playing too. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's you know, when you lay eyes on a kid, it's like you pass eyeball tests. This kid could throw it a mile. I mean, people have made mistakes um, basing their evaluation on what a kid could do arm strength-wise. You know, Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf, there's a bunch of people that look the part. So to answer your question, it, it's, it's changed a ton. I mean, there's access to information. Kids could watch videos on the air raid offense or on the West Coast offense or any type of offense. And they're 
they're able to learn, you know, from the comfort of their own home. And there's seven on seven, there's passing league. And so there's so many different skills that these kids possess now, um, you know, so the evaluation process for me when I was a college coach, and I'd want to I'd want to understand it. Can he throw accurate and specifically can he throw accurate in the red zone? You know, is he able to put it where it needs to be put? And that doesn't require the strongest arm that requires anticipation and understand understanding what the defense is taking away because they can they only got 11 players out there and they can't cover all the grass. So, you know, there's there's a lot of intuition and just understanding what you're doing. Um, so when that's did, more important to me. When did that I mean, when do you think because I've been doing the high school football for a while and it just seems like in the last five or six years, maybe, um, you know, just watching Josh, I watched some other quarterbacks. These quarterbacks now are actually eluding the rush and still going through their progression, looking downfield where it used to be. First target's covered, I'm running. It's the end of it. And now you yeah. see them going for one, two, three through the progression. Why they're getting rushed but not taking their eyes off downfield. That wasn't like that five years ago, was it? Or six years ago? It, I mean, it really In wasn't school, yeah. emphasized, right? It wasn't really emphasized before. But, again, you have access to to, to what people are doing. I mean, you, you have, um, you know, all these different shows, hard knocks, or you have, you know, behind-the-scenes access, and you can kind of get coaching points. And so – you know, people people are able to have information. You know, in regard to those quarterbacks performing with their eyes up, Josh did, has been doing a great job of that. I've been really, really uh, pleased with his pocket presence and keeping his eyes up and understanding his progression all the way through it. Um, you train with your eyes up. You know, there's different drills that we do that um, that really emphasize the quarterback keeping a good base and then operating within the pocket. And I always use the analogy of driving driving a vehicle. When you're driving a vehicle, you're not staring at the dang car next to you. You get a feel for the car, and there's different rules of the road. And so there's different rules within the pocket. You know, a defensive structure is going to try to create a box around the quarterback. You know, we use also use an analogy kind of like escaping a submarine. You know, you got water in one portion of the submarine. you got to be able to find the escape hatch, right? But keep your eyes up so you don't bang your head on the, you know, on any iron or anything, yeah. right? So it's just trying to emphasize that, use use teaching tape, and then drill the heck out of it. Because if their eyes are dropping, they're not going to find open guys. They're going to run right into trouble. Right. So that's a that's a great observation on your end, and and I think it's it's emphasized. It's one of the coaches. few observations he'll make in this interview. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a quarterback yeller, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Doug, Look, I, got a, get... I got a nice picture of Burt over here, by the way. No, let, let's see it. Let's see it. it. You, you got to show it. Yeah. Pull my ad here. Golly. Come on, you don't have a picture of me in your wall. Oh, wow. <laughs> right you did, you, that was an add on this morning. Come on. Yeah, man. Uh, That's my know, guy. You know, Doc, maybe we should just leave that question uh, unasked. <laughs> Sorry, right, I have that. a question. No, no, no. But, uh, Doug, before we get too far into this, because I got a thousand questions and we we're only going to have a limited amount of time, but could you maybe just go over the timeline of your life a little bit? Tell us, give us the timeline of your coaching career, where the whens, and just give us the quick bio so that people can understand that you're not some Johnny come lately. Sure. So I'll go even before that. I played at Poway High. We ran the wing tee. I, and I, I, I grew up loving the Buffalo Bills, so I wanted to be part of a team that would spread it out. So I did went the junior college route, uh, learned a couple different systems because I changed junior colleges, played in New Mexico State, uh, then finished up at Menlo College. So I was exposed to the West Coast offense, Coriel system, the um, 
um, some other systems as well that are kind of blended together. As far as coaching goes, I worked for Stanford during my last semester in college, so I got I got access to the quarterback room and took a ton of notes. Uh, coached at Poway High School. My quarterback, Donnie McKillop, threw for 3,500 yards, 28 touchdowns, one interception, until he went to the championship game. I um, know the name. Donnie was awesome. Yeah, I mean, he was super easy to coach. Yeah. It's like I had that kid, and I felt like I was the smartest coach in the world. You know, coaches know that if you have good players – you have kids who understand what's going on. You're going to look a lot smarter. Then I coached at Southwestern College in 2007. I coached Drew Westling, who's a Division One quarterback. It's a funny story. Um, the San Diego State coaches came to watch our game versus Riverside. Drew lit it up in the first half. They le- we were up 28 nothing. They left at halftime and we lost 35 28. But they offered the scholarship off of that. <laughs> half. But Drew is. I have so many stories about Drew. Then I coached at Southeast Missouri State. I coached Houston Lillard, who's Damian Lillard's brother. Um, I, he always tell me about, hey, I got this younger brother who's a baller. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he plays at Weber State. I'm sure he's a baller. And then, obviously, he's had a great career. Still keep in touch with Houston. He trains quarterbacks in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I had a quarterback there also who's a pass efficiency leader in FCS football, Matt Scheibel. He was a coach's son. Again, another example of me having really smart players. Um, he took care of the football. We were, we were in sync with one another. Then fast forward to 2011, Fort Lewis College, 2012, Lindenwood University, Belleville, where I was an admissions counselor, recruiting coordinator. I mopped the floors. I did every every stinking job. I learned a ton. Lost five years of my life, I think, uh, during that time period. And then I was at Central Methodist University uh, for two years. I worked under John Haynes, the head coach of Southwest High School in El Centro. Very good friend, been a big influence on, on my coaching career. Got out of coaching and then uh, sold software. Worked at Westview for three years, and um, we did some we did some good things there. Start off slow, first couple years, but we'd always pick it up towards the end. We'd be roaring in the playoffs and knock off some teams we shouldn't have knocked off. And then I started Brady Performance in 2020. My wife encouraged me to follow my passion. It's I was waking up in the morning researching construction software, and it's like, man, I'm not fired up about this like I am about ball. Right. And so now I, I study ball, and and I'm able to get access to kids across the country. I work. With guys getting ready for the pros and you know down to down to the youth youth league quarterbacks so it's a ton of fun sorry i kind of went 100 miles an hour there no 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 i I appreciate it i i I just want people to know that you have a pretty impressive clientele that we'll get to in a little bit but you've been doing this a little while you're you're, this is not your first rodeo is what we're i guess i'm trying to establish Obert. yes okay well i was going to ask him that but you just you just so it's all i mean what's your youngest what's your youngest group that you that you start training and how I mean for a quarterback how important do you think it is like what's the what's the date or the you know the date is it fifth grade sixth grade eighth grade that, that you start training seriously for a quarterback I think it it, go, it comes down to the athlete and the family you know some families they they just they want you to try to make a kid something he's not going to ever be and that and that's always a super tough conversation so my process is if you contact me through my website or DM me you know we get on a call. And I, and I like to talk through like, hey, here's here's my expectations. This isn't for everybody. I'm gonna love up on the kids, but I'm also gonna coach them hard. You know, so the youngest I've gone with is eight. Reluctantly, I went with eight year old with, the, with, with that age. But I had that conversation with the dad and the dad played at Stanford is, you know, is, is have a very successful business career. And he's also sent his son to training uh, for basketball and piano lessons. And so there was a benchmark there set with that particular kid. But I, I'd say 10 years old, probably fifth grade is a good start point because at that, you know, at that time frame, they could start taking some ownership. And even with the older kids, Bert, 
and Paul, the older kids, if you give them stuff to work on, they, they won't do it. They'll go get on, they'll go do other stuff because it's really not that important to them. You know, the ones that really want to do it, just like in any walk of life, they really want to put effort towards it. They're going to work on it because I tell parents all the time, the, the skill acquisition, the growth is not going to happen in a one hour session. We're going to, we're going to create some good, some good foundation. We're going to be able to hammer home some things and create affirmation, but it's really going to happen when they're watching football and they're saying, Hey coach, that drill that we did, I saw Pat Mahomes do it in a game. Or, hey, that pocket movement drill. And so that's kind of where the light bulb comes on. And they got to want to do it in between sessions and throw the ball and work on the little things. And so uh, it's not just cookie cutter. It's case by case. It's the individual. And I, I want to get to know the individual first. I don't just take anybody. I want to I want to get to know them. I want them to know me because I, I care about every single person I train. It's important to me. So one follow-up to that. Do you, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you do or you don't, but I guess like being a D lineman, I watch a lot of D linemen at these camps and everything else. And they're not really, that's like the most underserved population as far as training. I mean, I watch kids in pass rush drills just from their stance and their footwork have to take three or four steps just to cross the line of scrimmage. So, so they'll make a seven you know, yard race to the quarterback for a sack, a 10 yard race. Sure. And no one even says, I mean, no one even says anything or does anything. So do you do other positions or just quarterback? So. I hire out, I have some 1099 coaches that, that help me with my group sessions. And so when we do group sessions, I want it to be like a college practice. We script it, we, we have emphasis. You know, I don't want to do a ton of one-on-ones with the O-line, D-line guys. I just don't think you're going to get a, a bunch of quality reps out of that without pads. Obviously the kids want to do it and you need to compete, but it needs to be done under with watchful eyes. You can't just, I see some camps where these kids have terrible technique to your point, Bert. Yeah. They haven't been taught the foundations. They don't have, they, they haven't, they don't have a point A to, to point B to C. There's no real progression. And so, you know, the D-line, the D-line coach for Poway, Brett Williams, uh, is has helped me for my with my group sessions. And Brett's been around pro coaches since he was a kid. I mean, Kyle and Brett at Poway, they their dad Bill was a coach's coach. He used he used to have coaches fly in i remember sitting in with the d coordinator from the chiefs or you know the special teams coordinator for the jaguars and just talking tackling talking first step second step you know time up the second step with your punch and so i i can coach any position on offense you know I, i'm starting to work with kids you know that are homeschooled and you know they play youth football and i'm working with the tight end and we're just working on psdb power swoop drop bucket the power step just getting that prop getting that right getting the ankle you know, in a good position so you could then, you know, fire off the next step and then be able to strike somebody. And then like the swoop step and taking them through a progression that I learned from the Williams uh, in regard to teaching. So uh, the teaching needs to happen in the off season. And then you have your, your base individual drills that you do in season to help the kids get better. I think the O-line, D-line play, I'm going to, I'm going to go hard this off season and offer more because I want all football across San Diego, San Diego to get better. And I want to be able to collaborate and help coaches, coaching staffs get better. I want to bring in guys that are experts. There's experts around our community, around our county. There's a Ken Wilmershire has worked with me as well. Kenny is one of the most knowledgeable offensive line coaches. And he'd be, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge. So you, you have a great observation there, Bert. I have the same one. I mean, old linemen, they're, they're having trouble handling twists. You know, it's like work, yeah. work, work that bumps and twists drill. You know, if somebody's coming or somebody's going, somebody's going to be coming. Right. 
keep your shoulders square. Now, I learned from Ed Carberry, you know, the big three in pass protection. Keep your distance, so make sure you get a good pass set. Keep your shoulders square, remain balanced. I always remember that as an offensive coordinator and as, and as you get me fired up, man, I'm talking ball. I, I'm more than just a quarterback coach. I love football. I I'll watch let football. Paul ask you a question and throw yeah. you off track. Don't uh, worry about yeah, that. Right, man. Man. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay, well, can I, listen, we'll get back to this because I want to know, like, if I showed up, what's the first thing you'd work on with me? But before that, oh, can we just go through some names? Like, uh, does the name Julian Sayan mean anything to you? Absolutely. I actually sit in the box for Carlsbad on Friday nights. So I consult with multiple programs, and they're another program that I consult with. They're right down the street from the house. I have a great relationship with Coach Mack. Um, but Julian is Julian is special. He really is a coach on the field. I mean, there, he, he, there's, there's things that Coach will give him a green light at the line of scrimmage. If he sees something, he's able to access it. And he's so smooth, and he treats everybody really well. You know, that's a big thing. People don't, people don't, you know, see all the social media and they see how good he is. But he's, he's a quality person. Uh, Dominic Nankill. I've worked. I worked the San Diego State uh, camp. Was able to see Dominic. Very, uh, you know, very athletic kid. He's smooth. Not much wasted motion in his in his uh, throwing motion. Um, and he's a winner. I mean, last year they went on a great run and. They've had some. They've had some really tough opponents this year, and and but he's a he's a ball player. He keeps plays alive, and he could uh, he could throw accurate. I think whatever college gets him is going to be super happy. Can uh, I throw in a name? Yeah. Yeah. San Diego State quarterback room. What's going on there? So, you know, Braxton Braxton's a Braxton's a transfer, right? Mm -hmm. He. he I mean, I mean, I mean, Lucas Johnson leaving. The, you know, the other guy yeah. leaving last week. I'm, I'm talking about that, not one guy in particular. Right. So I don't know. I don't know all the backstory there. Obviously, there's a statement made about, you know, him him wanting to move on. And then there's a counter statement from from the mother. And so I don't know about any any of that. Um, I think Lucas performed well in that bowl game and he was progressing and getting better within the offense. So it would have been nice to, to have somebody who had experience leading that room and leading that team. But you know things happen. People people leave for for whatever reason, and I, and I don't know. I don't know the reason why. Um, I think that they have they have some young young guys in that room, and they also have a San Diego and, and DJ Ralph, and then obviously Braxton Burmeister. I think Braxton had a good series to end the game last week. He got to just play free and and use his legs, and he's a good ball player, man. I mean, when you go to a practice and you see these guys compete and get ready, Coach Heck Coach Heck trains them up, man. And so I'm rooting for them big time. I've got, I'm definitely, you know, a homer on this one. I want the San Diego State Aztecs in that quarterback room. I want them to have a ton of success. I believe in Coach Heck. Um, I think they're going to right the ship. And so that's my opinion on that. I don't think you expected me to go that deep into it. But now can I go back to I'm sorry, I, guys. I, I, <laughs> you know, because I think a lot of kids are watching this and they want to hear him talk about like uh, Connor Underhill. What do you see there? So I've seen a little bit of Connor. I've seen him in seven on seven live. He he um, he's been training since he was a young youngster, and you could you could see how fluid he moves. Um, he 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 seems that he's like a gunslinger type. From what I've seen, I haven't broken down his film like I have others, um, so I can't really talk about you know decision making, you know play in play out. But from what I've seen, he's uh, he's a pretty smooth athlete. You could throw it anywhere. Just because I have no short-term mem memory because of multiple concussions, the, fr <laughs> the freshman at San Marcos, everyone's talking about it. Or Saints. 
Creed. Two of them. Yeah, both both of them. So I'll go with San Marcos and Saints. Well, help so me with Creed, the names. Help me with the names. Creed, Creed, um God, I don't want to. I don't do not want his parents to be mad at me for butchering his name. You're um, on with Paul. You don't have to worry about butchering names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust yeah, yeah. me. So, so Creed, him a t-shirt. you're on with the maestro. <laughs> Creed Maca Macaheli. Say that again, my, Paul. For, is this the San Marcos kid? Or this is, and okay. and I may put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I don't know, you know. So I, I don't quote me. We don't want to make the family up. You're with the goat the of butchering names. You don't have to worry about anything right now. All right, you you made your point. All right. So continue. A true okay. freshman. I'll tell you, Texler is like I get an email from Texler almost every other day about. Dude, that te text. First of all, when I got out of college, coaching, Tex wanted me to come coach with them. I was still trying to figure out a new career and and man I wish I would have because everywhere he goes they light up the scoreboard he is he is a he is a he's a great football mind he just understands how to attack defenses right, right? so yeah he's in a good he's in a great system he's in a quarterback friendly system he's going to RPO third level second level RPO it um, so he's going to basically try to try to find the weak spot in the defense Paul you know, he understands how to attack and Creed's talented. He's been training since he was a youngster as well. And so it, it's, and he's got, they always have great receivers there at San Marcos. They've got great Which talent amazing. there. Yeah. They do because I mean, there's great trainers in the area. So there's, there's high school coaches, there's trainers that have this, all these different backgrounds that have the best interest in the kids in mind, I think for the most part. And, um, and they do a great job working with these kids. And so a lot of kids want to get extra work. Um, the the kid from Saints, um, he was a I think he was a he was a holdback. Uh, he went to uh, he went to school in eighth grade up in Orange County, I believe. He's polished. He's he he's very calm. You know, with his mechanics, he's smooth. He seems like he understands what's going on. I talked to Coach Gladnick about him, and and I was at a passing tournament, and we were just kind of sitting in the back watching him, and he's impressive. I know Coach Gladnick's super super excited about him having him you know for three more seasons after this year so we got we got some really good freshmen and and just because it's our game of the week could you uh, break down the matchup that we're going to have on friday between i believe it's stevens from cathedral the transfer that came in and uh kj chatham kj chatham from the, the from lincoln have you lincoln, have, yeah. have, have been have you worked with either or do you have you watched either I've watched. I've watched both. I have not worked with either. So there's there's other obviously there's other quarterback coaches that work with their kids and they have relationships with these kids. Um, but I still see them from afar. Um, Cal KJ's dad's a great man. I've known him for a number of years. I've you know, definitely offered for KJ to come out. But KJ has weapons around him. He's he's been trained up. Coach Carter has done a great job with him. I know he's worked with the coach Akili as well. Um, so mechanics wise, super polished with that. He's got dudes around him, man. That that's that's super yeah. helpful for a quarterback. Roderick, I have a great relationship with Roderick. Hand that kid the ball. Shoot, hey, go 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 make it happen for us, right? Um, so he's got a great situation. Um, Stevens kid from uh, Cathedral is originally a Del Mar kid. They moved and then they moved him back. He um, he's got some. He's got a live arm. You know, he's able to create great torque in his lower half. You kind of see. A lot of these kids mimic what they're seeing from the Rodgers of the world. These other quarterbacks that really do a good job of creating creating power, ground force with their lower half, and then their arms follow, follow right behind it, so they're able to create a ton of torque. Stevens kid definitely has that. They don't throw the ball a ton there. Um, so 
you know, from the opportunities he does get, he, he's from what I've seen, he could spin it. He could he could throw it anywhere on the field. So it's going to be going to be a good matchup between those two. Obviously, Cathedral's going to always try to pound the rock. They're going to do that, and then Lincoln is got is so dynamic. Yeah, it's scary. I, I have a question. It's all yours. So give us a little uh, a little crystal ball into the future. Is there going to be a Brady performance seven on seven team coming up anytime soon? <laughs> Man. Bert, I, when I my last year as a college coach, I told myself I do not want to do much seven on seven. I just feel like the quarterback gets bad habits. You know, fast forward to now, you know, it's the kids want to the kids want to play ball year round. You know, I I I think kids should play whatever sports they want to play. You know, but to answer your question, I I'm I'm definitely thinking about it, and I've got some things in the works. I think it's kind of like having 11 balls in flight, trying to juggle 11 balls. I want to make sure I'm, I'm wise and stay in, my, stay in my swim lane, for lack of better terms. But um, it could happen because kids want to do it, and it's a great opportunity for me to, for me to also train other elements. I think if, you're gonna, if I'm going to do a 7-on-17, Bert, I want to make sure the backs have a period of pass protection. We're not just going and, and stepping and not visualizing who we're going to block in a man zone scheme or a full slide scheme. I think they need to still train those things, in my opinion. Uh, the quarterback, if I were to do it, at least the quarterback would have to move his feet if he gets his third or fourth progression. So I, I see kids in seven on seven, they're, they're just back there comfortable. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in a game, does it? No. It doesn't. And so there's a lot of good things that does train. You know, DBs can really work on plastering receivers. The quarterback has all day to throw, right? And then the receivers can really work on um, their their routes and the timing with the quarterback. So there's, there's pros and cons. But to answer your question, potentially. All right, I'm going to ask you one more follow-up question. Sure. Yep. We're at the midseason, and we're all on social media, and there's 87 rankings now that come out every week from local <laughs> people. And I see some crazy ones. Who, who are your top five right now in San Diego? Top five Ooh. players or teams? No, top five teams. Well, you just make it four for the open division. Yeah, like, all right, exactly. Four, so if we, ended, if we ended today and we uh, had to open, who would you put in the open? You don't put Obviously, I'm, bi- I'm, I'm biased because of Carl's bad. Carl's um, no yeah, order. Carl's bad is definitely going to be in there. Um, Lincoln, for sure. Uh, can't, go, can't go wrong with Cathedral. Cathedral, I think, is going to be that they, they play some really tough opponents. And then, man, I... How can I leave out Helix or Madison? Or Poway now. You, you know, Poway. Poway's running the rock. Connor Rath. I mean, Nick Riccadulli's coaching that kid up. And I know that any back that carries the ball there is going to have a freaking attitude. I know that. Because <laughs> Nick's, Nick's working with them. I mean, Nick Nick is Nick does a phenomenal job. So I, I have to make a top five. And I think Helix Helix historically is just is is a marquee program in our city. Madison, Coach Jackson has done a great job. I recruited Madison back in 2007 when I was at Southwestern, and that guy has just been consistent as a coach, Coach Jackson. And he, he's got ball players <laughs> that definitely helps. And then Cathedral, I've had a coach against Cathedral. I had, I had to line up my kids at Westview versus Cathedral. That AD was on his way out and scheduled two. <laughs> it just wasn't even fair. But those are those would be my top five. Definitely be my top five. Before we let you go, can I ask a couple football questions? Please. Because 
back, I, I was participating in a little thing on the internet, and someone said, how would you, what would be your play call? You're in the huddle, what, they show a play, and they say, how would you have called it? And I'm using 1980 Rudy Wingtee terminology, nice. and I had a mouthful of verbiage, and, and, so, and everybody on that thread just started laughing at me, saying, oh, you must be 100 years old. Was this on Bumble? No, it was on so it was on Twitter. It was on Twitter. So my, my question is, thanks a lot. Uh, the verbiage of the game has changed that now play calls are much more concise to the point where you can make two play calls in the huddle, go to the line of scrimmage and and dump the play you don't want to use. How how did that happen and, and give me an idea of how it works? Yeah. So, I heard a good coach phrase it up before I answer that. They said if it's easy to call it's harder for the players to remember. If it's harder to call, it's easier for the players to remember. Right? What do I mean by that? So if you have a one word or two word call, then that's you have to have rote memory there. You have to just remember what your assignment is on that call. And some knucklehead might mess that up. But if you have a longer call, then at least, you know, if it's just two jet, that's the the lineman, all they care about is that word, right? You know, the backs, that's all they care about, that one word or maybe a tag. So I think the longer calls are still there. There's still coaches using them, um, and, but they put them on a wristband or they could signal and then you could segment your signal. So you could have somebody signal to the whole line to the receivers and the quarterback and back. Right. So you can do it that way. Um, I think I think it is wise to 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 limit your play call um, and and have no more than seven words. You know, some people believe that's way too many words. And to your point. Uh, where they can just do one-word calls and two-word calls. You know, during my time, I, again, I, I've been exposed to so many different systems. You know, I've had those long words, but then, then I was exposed to the spread offense. I worked for Ed Carberry, and we we try to simplify the words. And then, you know, going down the road after that, you know, our NASCAR calls, our one-word calls, we would practice as a form of conditioning and say, you know, uh, Batman, Batman would be a play action because it's an action film. Or Superman, Superman was a play action. So everybody knew, you know, from that play call that it would be a play action, you know, or bazooka, bazooka, you know, it was it was like a, a fake bubble, okay? Or gum was was bubble. And so it's rote memory, and then you could use that one word term that has an association with something else. But I think there's definitely value if you're gonna do it and if you're gonna have the one word, the two word calls, you need to commit to it. That's that's what I think. You're gonna you need to commit to it, and it's got to be part of what you do. If you're gonna have a long word, long long words, then you got to have them on a wristband, and then you know everybody's got to know what they're doing. So I know I probably I don't, did I answer your question on that? Well, it, it it just seems to me like there's I, I I don't know how like with all the pre when you get to the line of scrimmage, there's the shift, there's the motion, and then there's the rewind motion, or I don't know what you guys call it. Yeah. But when, is it a rewind motion when the or, like an orbit motion yeah. or yo-yo, yo-yo motion. How do you call, is all that predetermined by one word? That doesn't mean nothing. They're just seeing what the defense does to it. That's yeah, all. But, 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 yeah, but how do you communicate it? That's yeah. what you're saying, you Bert, yeah. That, that, it just, like, it, I'll it give did. you one. I, I have to sit on the sideline a lot, and, and I hear a coach, you know, a defense coach yelling, he's a DB coach yelling ombre, thinking that people don't know that means man in San Diego. You know, in Spanish or whatever, and you're that's like, awesome. I'm like, you think that's like code right now? You're yelling ombre across the field. Oh, that's not man. No, we don't. What know about what, what if I yelled out Picasso and <laughs> that, I'm on offense? Uh, what would that be? I don't know. Draw. 
Draw. Oh, all right. All right. Oh. Rembrandt. Rembrandt. See? Rembrandt. Yeah, no, I'm not going to pick that up that night. But like, I might pick it up later, yeah, but ombre, it's like, really? Right, right. Cat coverage, man. Just start <laughs> yeah. saying cat. Hey, you got that cat, I got that cat. Yeah. Just start naming some different cats. No, I think um, Paul just, I, I'm good buddies with Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator at North Carolina. And Phil, Phil it believes in, in the air raid offense, and he believes in no huddle. And that's who he is. That's that's what he believes in. That's what they practice. And he signals he signals the plays along with other people. Sometimes he's the dummy signaler. But that's how they practice and what they do. And so over time, if you believe in what you do and you, you're able to communicate it, then the kids will get it. But you know, to to make that call. So I've been in so many dang systems. I'm not have I'm not calling the offense now. I don't want to give any play calls from Carlsbad or any of these other programs that I have. But you know, if I were to make um, you know, like uh, bombers would be a two by two set, and if I did why uh, why jump, then I'm in two by two. The back is going to be lined up, whatever side is going to be based off a of play call. So if I say bombers uh, Pittsburgh bombers jump Pittsburgh rope, so that was that was a Southwestern College call with Ed Carberry. It'd be two by two. The back would be lined up on the left. Okay, the the receiver on the right is going to do a jump motion. He's going to make it look like short motion, and then as soon as he gets a yard from the tackle, he's going to accelerate over the top of the quarterback. And then you got a zone read element. You're reading the dive key on the backside, and if the dive key crashes down, the quarterback's going to pull it and then play two on one basketball fast break against the force player. And that's that's how we taught that. What's you know, Pittsburgh? If we want, Pittsburgh fit in there? Pitt, Pittsburgh would be the play call. I said, I said Pittsburgh for you. Thank you. Obviously, I, that. I, was hoping you I love, I love my Yinzers, man. I love this game. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't very good at it, but I love. I, if, if, if my life had gone the way I wanted it to, I'd be, we'd be in the other position. You'd be. You brought so me. much joy, man. You brought so much yeah, joy to people's but lives. Only because like, I couldn't play it or coach it, but I, I love the X and, you know, when, like when other. When when I'm doodling, I'm doodling plays all the time. Oh, goodness. stop! Just stop. <laughs> Let's do it, man. I, I, hey, I got I got this whiteboard. That's I do Zoom meetings. I've got I've got quarterbacks in Arizona, Hawaii, Washington. We do Zoom meetings. Okay, well, can, I get on the board. Hey, can you switch your camera around? And can we can you draw something up for us real quick as we wrap this up? Uh, do you need me to switch my camera around, or can you see it well, well enough? Yeah, we can just I... move it so we can put the whiteboard in front of where you are. Yep. Hold on one second. Oh, this is great. Don't take my picture down. <laughs> yeah. It's behind my block. That's my that's my dude right there. <laughs> Bert. Okay. So here's my favorite play. When I was at Southeast Missouri State, we um my first two years there, we we were struggling. And we got a new AD and you know we we knew if that because that, that guy was from uh from the southeast and he had been at Georgia, and so the expectations were super high, right? From okay. that, from that guy, right? Uh, we got, we got to get going. Yeah. So we, this is, a, we got a couple minutes here. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Let me. Uh, sorry, Bert. Yeah, Bert's got to go. Oh my. Bert's got to go. That's just. That's why I get a color printer so I can waste ink <laughs> and, all, and money on that, so I can uh, do stuff like that. So if I go, I can do this out of any any formation, right? But let's just keep it to this formation. So if I go bombers. That's two by two, Paul. So two wide right. receivers on each side. Yeah. Okay. Just a bomber set. Okay. I can hold it up there. And if I go um, 51, 51 scat, I've called it Stanford. I've called it whatever uh, or spot. That we've got 
this route here, a corner route that's going to go up to 10 to 12 yards, depending on, you know, if he needs to step on the safety toes a little bit more. We got our, our uh, spot route that's going to attack the toes of the walkout defender. So we're going to look at his pre-snap toes and we're going to try to replace and sit it down. If he squeezes us, then we're going to punch the pivot towards the sideline, right? We're going to move towards the sideline. If he, if he buzzes the flat, then we're going to just sit and stay open, right? Okay. And then the back is going to either run a swing or a flat, depending on, depending on how I want to call it. You know, let's just say we're doing a swing there. Okay. Let me go ahead and erase that. And then the quarter, and then on this other side, we're going to have the same route that we had right there on the spot route, attack the toes of the walkout defender, okay, punch or pivot or stay. And then we could do a flat route there. So this is my too high side here. If I say too, if I see too high, I access the left side. If I see one high, I'm going to access the right side. Okay. It's just a numbers game. And then there's some, are you guys gone? No, no, no. We're here. We're here. No. It's just a numbers game, and and you know I taught my quarterbacks that they if they if they overloaded one side, you know the the one high two high rule wasn't really in effect, right? So there's some nuance there. And the quarterback, when we first installed this play, the quarterback was always taught never pass up the open spot route because the spot route has the ability to sit, punch and pivot out, or work continue to work inside. And then we would go spot to flat. When I felt that they were comfortable enough to make that read in their sleep then we let, allow them to access the corner route. Good against man-to-man, -man, good against those types of situations where it's man, then you go corner to spot to swing. If it's one high safety, then we just go spot to flat route, okay? And then we've even had instances where if it was one high and they covered this down well, this guy would continue to work inside and I could swipe back and find him, okay? The, reason, the other reason I really love this place, you could do it at a bunch, you could do it out of a heavy set, you could do it out of um, you know a lot of different things. And then if they start playing to this and they know that you like this, then you can tag a basic route on this or a post route if they start taking away the underneath routes. So it felt like this is a good foundational piece. And if you watch college football or pro football, people are running this concept. I think it's a timeless concept because defenses are catching up. There's a bunch of different component calls that a defensive coordinator can make based off of what you do. and. Shoot, they want to. They want to. They want to try to stop the offense. So we you gotta want, try to. I got a better ahead. one. You want to hear the complexities of a defensive end? <laughs> Let's go. Basically, the tackle can only do three things: block down, you got to close; um, pass set, you got to pass rush, or you'll get reached. Either one. Yeah. I mean, those are really in a four-three. The only three things, and you could tell eighty percent from down the distance and, and stance. When watching that, I'm like, I couldn't sit for 10 years and do all that stuff. That's like the best no, well, some, some people, Some people explain it way, way simpler, right? I mean, I just, I, I get a little fired up. And... Uh, <laughs> I want to buy you a beer sometime. When you, I, you're, you're, our schedules are both insane right now. But this kind of stuff, <laughs> this, I love. Man, I, look, like, I like my I, simple version. That's why, well, that's why I, Woodshop I, was my class. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason. Well, I think every staff needs, every staff, if you got a, if you got a, like I had Keith Williams from the Ravens out here working at camp with us in, in May, and he told me, he's like, I want these routes. And then I came back and, and started adding routes, like, dang, quarterback guys can't just keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the truth, and I know it. I, uh, Doug, uh, just as we wrap this up, tell people where they can find you. So I'm on social, uh, Brady Performance Football on Instagram, on Twitter is at Coach Doug Brady. On TikTok, yes, I do have a TikTok. My my stepdaughter loves oh, it. In fact, I do. Uh, D Brady 12. Um, and then I've got I've got a YouTube channel that I do some work on. Again, it's like 
<laughs> trying not to have too much spread out. And then BradyPerformance.com. You could find me on those on those platforms. So we'll have a lot of camps that we're going to be doing this next season, next off season. We want to try to collaborate with coaches and help out any way we can. So, and we have a group session this Sunday for for quarterbacks. Receivers are free. Quarterbacks uh, fifth to eighth grade, and then and then high school age. We'll have two different sessions. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We have to get out of here for a news break. So uh, it went longer than we we anticipated, but. <laughs> But we oh, could God, we, we, we could go another two hours. Uh, Doug, have a great day, and uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Bert. Thank you. Rehang up that picture when you're done. Yes, this back. podcast you, is now concluded. Please turn off the machines. <laughs>